Welcome to the FPL Blues podcast. Bucks and Chin both back at home recording this episode from reliable mics. And like the Premier League, we've returned to our regularly scheduled programming. Brian, congratulations on day one at the new job. How you doing? Bucks, it feels good to be back from a rejuvenating holiday break in Belize. I have all my limbs, was spending a lot of time in the choppy waters with the sharks. So glad to survive that and survive this initial weekend of footy back in our lives. It was slow moving for a couple of moments there until the epic Manchester Derby and then points galore from there. So good to be back and let's talk about game week nine. Yeah, game week nine was eventful to say the least. There were three hat tricks, countless derbies, and one sacking. So there's a lot to cover in the recap. And it's an important time of the season coming out of international break. We'll cover how Brian did on his wild card, which he enacted going into game week nine, and also talk about how to strategize going into this blank game week 12, which is the next kind of big looming decision and strategy point. Uh, in the FPL game. Without further ado, Brian, how'd you do in game week nine? All right, all out. I had 88 points and got a green arrow on my wild card. So could have gone a little bit better, but I'm I'm happy with that. I'm finally into the top 1 million at uh, this game week nine point of the season. Look, it's a long season, and I think I'm definitely beginning to find my niche, and hopefully that'll lead to more green arrows. But from a team perspective, um, you know, I think my biggest call this past week was going with Salah over KDB. And it was just an opportunity to hopefully spike a Salah Hall. You know, we did see Liverpool score three goals, and it was unfortunate that he didn't have one of them, had a couple opportunities, and, um, you know, ends up with five points on one assist. I think he had another assist wiped off from uh, VAR, which would have kind of put him online with what KDB put up. The, the heroes of this week, wow. Mr. Holland, once again, 46 points as my captain. You love to see that. And then also on the wild card, I had the likes of Madison with 18 points during today's fixture and their romp of NFO. And then Trippier comes in with seven. Other than that, small chip in from Martinelli with four and then a lot of ones and twos and even a zero from Mitro across the board. So um, a mixed bag. I want to shout out that Pickford, He was on for three points and then he got a late yellow. So he got two points, which is officially my highest scoring goalkeeper slot of the season. So the curse is over. Even a simple blank of two points means the curse of ones and zeros is over for me. So only green skies, green skies, blue skies filled with green arrows ahead for me. If only you kept Danny Ward and uh, kept the faith. He got his first real return uh, in game week nine. He ends up with eight points. And I think that would have totaled the entire contributions of your goalkeeper uh, through the first eight game weeks, even though we're in game week nine. Yeah, that's a strong keeper glove right to the nuts. That that one hurts. Um, eight points for him. And I know a few <laughs> managers who are on wild card. I think let's talk Andy FPL. He um, was very bullish on the double Iverson and Ward combo, um, which I started the season with, and it was an utter disaster. So I couldn't go back to that. So uh, happy for him uh, to get eight points and to see Lester as a whole really um, punish NFO, who is officially and undoubtedly the best fixture in FPL 
across uh, the entire league. But enough about me, 88 points on the up and up. Let's talk about you because you beat me without a wild card. Yeah, I had a great game week, 97 points all out. Captain armband. Holland never lets us down. Hallelujah to Holland being in the Premier League. He is such a joy to watch. And he's really uh, changed the game of FPL because uh, captaincy decisions is really just such a layup. If you just leave it on Holland, you're going to be feeling good about your decision at the end of the game week. Uh, So he ends up with 46 points. Uh, Late transfer move. I should give kudos to my podcast co-host, Brian, you gave me the tip that Luis Diaz was flying home late from international duty at Columbia, where That's he right. was coming with only one training session. I think most players returning from international duty had two or three. So he then gets a rest, but he does get a return. But I panicked to the point of transferring him out, brought in James Madison. James Madison gets 18 points. Luis Diaz has 14 points. Ooh. That is the kind of swing that seasons are made from. So I uh, really appreciate that from you, Brian. And uh, yeah. Oh man, Bucks, you're, you're going to have to make up those 14 big points to me later in the season with an expert transfer uh, points in one of my teams, because that is absolutely massive. This was a huge opportunity for managers on wildcard who snagged him but to go from Diaz who you know has looked pretty attacking and has brought you a few hauls in this instance wow 14 points that's got to be your loan transfer of the season number one I'd say yeah without a doubt and uh it makes my team score look really good because I also had Gabriel Jesus who had eight points I had KDB who had eight points and I had Trippier who had seven points so my current OR is now into the top 200K, and I basically had a 100% rank rise of just under uh, like 275,000 spots. So really happy with how it went. Brian, as you mentioned, I still have my wildcard power-up chip in the pocket. So I am looking like a really good season and first half is going to be the case for my team. So really happy with how that went. And October is is going to be a good month for me because I think there's going to be a lot of matches and I'm going to use my wild card. So I'm hoping for big things. Oh, October. Let's call it Locktober for green arrows. You are locked in and you're going to be in a great position before using that wild card around game week 11, 12 or 13. So glad to see you flying and hopefully I'll reach your heights in a couple game weeks here as well. For sure. And let's go average of this game week was 68. So I think across the board, uh, FPL managers enjoyed a pretty strong performance in game week nine. Uh, Obviously, 46% of FPL managers did not captain Erling Holland. Slight soggy sorrows to those uh, 5 million-ish players. But if you had him, you were pretty much locked to be in the 70s, if not looking at triple digits, which we should get to our manager of the game week in the FPL blues podcast, super league scored 107 points. Who was that? Brian Zoltan Condor with 107 points. Very impressive. His team, ha 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 Holland puts in an absolute bloody shift. He gets 46 points from Holland, 18 points from Madison, and then also has Foden for 19 points. Holy cannoli. As Clay Thompson says, holy cannoli, what a result. And that shoots him up towards the top uh, 250K. So well done to Zoltan. 
Yeah, Zoltan. Uh, everybody has to give respect to Zoltan. And uh, I love that team name. So uh, double kudos to you on a great game week, a great team name, and a great real-life name. So uh, actually triple kudos. With that, let's take our first break. When we come back, we'll recap the action in game week nine with the top performers and top floppers. Welcome back to the FPL Blues podcast. You got Brian and Bucks behind the mics, and we're going to discuss the top performers of game week nine. Erling freaking Holland. I cannot believe this man. 46 points if you captain him. And honestly, you should leave the permanent captain on him for now until he is picks up a knock or, or picks up an injury. And make sure to use the rest of your squad as your quote-unquote differential. Because right now, there's nobody coming close to proximity to goal, to threat, to finishing ability, and everything in between. And he's on pens. And he's on City, the best team in the league, the best one of the best teams in the world. It is a absolute layup, slam dunk with this guy. And wow, you have to be hurting in the uh, the gonads if you did not captain him this game week. Listen, I could see the merit to choosing Salah as a slight differential. It was this presumed easier fixture at home against Brighton as opposed to Man City who were at home for the Manchester Derby but Holland is just untouchable and he's inevitable right now he's not only scoring every single game week he's got he's gotten a return in every single one of the first eight game weeks but also he's setting records in every game week it seems like this is his third straight home hat trick and he has three hat tricks now the quickest ever in the Premier League by 40 games and he has the same amount of hat-tricks in the Premier League as Ronaldo does in over 200 matches. This guy is just on the next level. Not only did he have three goals, which is impressive enough, he also had two assists. So obviously he gets three bonus points. I mean, the guy is just incredible. I, I'm going to captain him even in blank game week 12 and let the robots do their work to switch <laughs> it onto my vice captain. He is that good, and I don't want to be silly in case he shows up and in disguise and maybe plays for Chelsea that game week. We can dream. Yeah, and then in the same exact match, the youngster, his partner in attack, Phil Foden, comes up with a hat trick. I don't know if I've ever seen a match with two players having hat tricks on the same team. You know, usually it's a team route where we see Liverpool get goals from, you know, a whole slew of players, but to have two players have all six goals in one match is incredible. 19 points for him. And I mean, at 8.0, 8.1, he's definitely a, a player that has the skill, the talent and the pedigree. And he's honestly been rested and rotated more than Holland. So he's clearly first choice. Pep loves him. He can play on the right or left. And he's a player that I think is going to tick on all season. And he could be due for 15 to 20 FPL halls this season. Totally agree. And I think right now, if you still have your wild card, which I do, I am earmarking potentially a triple city attack and kind of skipping Cancelo. And I think it just makes so much sense that you might even swerve KDB so that you have Holland and Foden because goals 
score more FPL points than assists. And even though KDB is a bonus point magnet, if he doesn't have penalty kicks and he's going to be assisting Foden and Holland for most of the goals, I mean, seems silly to be spending almost 4 million more for KDB when you could get Foden and he is first choice. And I think he can play on both sides. So he is not going to be subject to the same levels of Pep Roulette that we've seen in seasons past. So uh, well-deserved 19 points. Uh, but those weren't the only two hat-tricks of the game week. There was one more. That's right. Leandro Trossard puts in a hat-trick at Anfield in a 3-3 tie versus Liverpool. was a bummer to not see the new manager for Brighton get the W as they went up 2-0 early in that match. And honestly, Allison saved three really good chances in this game and was probably the player of the match for the likes of Liverpool because it could have been five goals put past uh, their defense. And again, shaky performance from Trent in the back. VVD looks to have lost a slight step. And, you know, it's definitely the time where you can liquidate your assets from Liverpool and skip TAA at this point in time and wait for those fixtures to become a lot better because they have Arsenal and City coming up. Other than that, um, yeah, Trossard. He's a player that is, what, 6.5 just about? So he's kind of in a an awkward price point where managers haven't flocked to him. But if he's going to be this attacking and this uh, cru- crucially uh, clinical for Brighton for the rest of the season, he could be on for a huge differential season ahead of us. Yeah, shame that Deserba, who's the new Brighton manager, did not get the three points. They were very well-deserved. Trossard is 6.7 million. He's owned by less than 8% of the game. So he's one of these midfield differential players like Foden, who just went crazy in game week nine and offers tremendous value because he's on a hot streak right now. He gets the three goals today. He also scored in their last game. He had a goal and assist. So he's just massively in form. And we're going to talk about another player, Jared Bowen in a little bit, who's in form, but Trossard just bosses Bowen's form right out of the building, right out of the damn pitch. So uh, Trossard one to watch. The issue is Brighton do have some challenging fixtures, but he is one to watch list for sure. And he is someone who's offering outsized returns in the FPL game. I mean, they just put up three goals versus Liverpool. So I feel like they could probably score on anyone. And we've seen that in the early part of this season as well. Just a well-oiled machine at Brighton. And hopefully the manager who is supposed to be very attacking, like that's something that he discussed in his interviews as he took over the job that he wants to attack. He wants to have all the players on the pitch be attacking and that's their first mindset and mentality. So uh, hopefully we'll find a few budget enabler gems like a Trossard who could possibly be a, a season keeper. I will say that their fixtures are, again, a mixed bag, Tottenham, Brentford, and then NFO in game week 12. So those players who are looking to wildcard heading into game week 12 will have a huge advantage because they'll be able to get Trossard into their squads without having to also worry about moving out the likes of the city guys for possibly Liverpool assets. So another potential huge swing for managers on game week 12 wildcard. And we should just say that Trossard as a potential differential game week 12 captain is looking really, really good right now. As we mentioned at the top, 
Nottingham Forest are the current whipping boys of the Premier League. Their defense is completely in shambles and leaking goals to everyone, their mother, their sister, and the sisters of the poor. So I really see that that could be a viable strategy for FPL managers who are dead-ending their team. So they want to make some aggressive short-term transfer moves or who are looking to be on wildcard in potentially game week 11. Let's get to the final top performer, Brian, and that is James Madison coming in on Monday bonus footy. And he just did the business two goals. He looks spectacular. He does get a silly yellow card, uh, but still gets the three bonus. So he ends up on 18 points total. Uh, I think he was a popular differential captaincy pick this game week. So if you had Holland and you were kind of stewing and regretting your decision, you don't look so silly at the end of the day because James Madison put on a really good performance. And I think Lester looks super rejuvenated coming out of international break, especially since Vardy started up top. I see that is a big change uh, for them to have Vardy, Barnes and Madison makes them a completely different unit and they have such talent. So not only did Vardy sparkle, Barnes sparkled, Madison, obviously he was the spotlight performer of the day, but they got their first win and their first clean sheet of the season. Huge. Yeah, look, his first goal was quite lucky. It was a deflected goal that, you know, skies we'll over take it. to the back of the net. Great for FPL. Um, but honestly, he was very involved the whole rest of the match. His free kick was scintillating and that's what he delivers on set pieces. I think a few early chances, um, Vardy, I think missed a header or somebody else missed a header. So yeah, Dewsbury Hall missed an easy header. KDH was, uh, you know, missed that one. So he's the talisman for the team at 8.0 great fixtures ahead. They have Bournemouth away, Crystal Palace at home, Leeds at home and Wolves away. Get him in your squad. He's going to be a top candidate. All right. Honorable mention. We should just touch on Newcastle just routed Fulham 4-1. Trippier looked incredible. He comes off before the clean sheet is wiped. So he gets seven points. Love to see that. <laughs> wow. That was that was such an FPL moment because a minutes later they get the clean sheet wiped. And a lot of managers who wildcarded in game week eight doubled up on the Pope and Trippier combo. And that so far has been, um, you know, very mixed as they've given up two, two goals in the last two matches, but trips gets very lucky. And, uh, as a new owner on my squad, I was thrilled to, uh, double check that to make sure that clean was still locked for him. You love to see it. Uh, but in this game, Miguel Almiron was really the starlet. He had a wonderful goal, um, where he kicked it with the outside of his boot to the sky. It went on a volley. Yeah, it was incredible. I think that was the goal of the season so far. I don't know about goal of the season, but it was the goal of the weekend. And the angle at which he made that um, was very impressive. Like usually he's just a squad player that plays too many minutes, honestly, for Newcastle, but he is a pressing monster and that earns a respect of how to get him into the squad. But um, this one was, was tough because Fulham, who have been very attacking Mitrovic and Andreas owners. Some managers started both of them in this match were unfortunate to see a red card in the sixth minute. And that threw up the whole feng shui of the match, unfortunately. So uh, this becomes a route Callum, the truth Wilson back in action. And he gets a poacher's goal early on. 
Uh, with Isak injured, he's 7.2 million. He's an option for Newcastle. They do have kind of a mixed bag. They have Brentford at home, then Manchester United away, and Everton at home, then Tottenham away. So I wouldn't be rushing to bring him in, but he's consistently delivered points when healthy. And I think that's the the main thing to note with him. I'm excited to see what he's going to look like next to Isak. And if they run a kind of 4-4-2 formation when they're both healthy, but time will tell when that comes. Yeah. And we also want to shout out uh, the Arsenal team who absolutely boss Spurs in the opening match of the game week in the North London Derby. They look spectacular. Gabriel Jesus punishes the non-believers and the sellers who might have used a wild card or brought in uh, slightly cheaper options. He gets a goal and bonus for eight points total. And uh, I love seeing that. I love seeing that in my team. Nobody fuck with the Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it was a good hold. Um, you know, he had a few moments where he nearly got a yellow card. And so that would have put him off of bonus, but he ends up with eight points. Well done, Bucks, for keeping the faith with him. And honestly, not a priority for managers to move out because he is on a top side. And just the fluidity in which Arsenal are playing with is so impressive against top down from the brass at Arsenal to Arteta's vision to just the team really playing together. They dominated Spurs uh, from the very get-go. Obviously, Spurs play in a counterattacking nature, and they have to be so clinical and precise when those opportunities arise, but they had no control of the match. Arsenal from kickoff were the on the front foot, and man, as a Chelsea supporter, I'm just jealous of what this Arsenal team has put together because they have a a lot of players who understand how each other function, where they are on the pitch, what they, you know, prefer in terms of service and man, uh, they look like a well-oiled machine. This is a huge win. And next week they'll play Liverpool. If they can just get a draw out of that, that would be a great result in these two tough matches for them. You know what? I want to double down on what you just said. They're also really young. So they're all in the same kind of window entering their prime. And I think that they're just their strategy, their tactical play uh, is really ambitious. So you love to see that. And I think the three, one scoreline kind of flattering to Spurs because uh, Jesus could have easily gotten on a brace. He went through like four guys dribbling the ball into the box and just missed it. And if they don't get that penalty, I don't think Spurs really had any great chances on goal. So uh, 3-1 is deserved to Arsenal. And I really think that they will not be happy with a draw when they host Liverpool in game week 10. I'm getting greedy if I'm an Arsenal fan. I want them to be going for the three points and I expect that they will get all three points. That's the kind of season they're having. Yeah, Arsenal puts up 2.48 expected goals and Tottenham only had 1.5. Harry Kane in an NLD comes good once again he ends up on six points gets the pk very typical of him in these derbies but uh ultimately yeah you got to hand it to arteta and what he's taken from his learnings at city and brought to uh arsenal it's it's something to admire and something that i hope when we look at potter in a few seasons who is given time and given time with the club to instill his vision of their uh on the pitch tactics that really puts us um, in a position as Chelsea supporters to be top four time and time again. Agreed, but don't jinx it, Brian. Let's go to the game week nine floppers. And that starts floppers. With, that starts with our guest host, 
Black Wolf, his team, Wolves, just totally shat the bed. And they came out with a very confusing lineup under, at the time, manager Bruno Lage. And then he bungled the sub pattern. Uh, just a very confusing performance. They're not ambitious. They're not going for it. Neto goes down with an injury. That's a major concern. And the fact that he didn't look like they were really trying to get back in the game from the sideline uh, was reason enough for him to be sacked, let alone the fact that they're in the drop zone uh, through eight game weeks uh, going into game week 10. So uh, he's out. They are on the search for a new manager. The one bright spot from this game, Diego Carlos comes in and he looked fantastic. I think he will play a part in Wolves staying up this season, but also potentially in FPL because he's 5.5 million. And yeah, they were a totally different team from when he came on the pitch. I think you mean Diego Costa? Yeah, Diego Costa. What did I say? <laughs> you said Carlos, who's a completely oh. different player. <laughs> oh, and he's injured. I think he's done for the season. Diego yeah, Costa, <laughs> one time Chelsea great. Still looks like he's uh, partying up in the retirement community, but uh, he can still play and contribute on Wolves. So bye-bye, yeah, Bruno. Hello, Diego Costa. Yeah, surprising to see Wolves at the bottom of the table in the drop zone right now, given that they do have a pretty solid squad. I think the concern here is that they have a lot of new players to the Premier League that they're counting on, and that's really tough. They have Guedes. They have uh, uh, another player in midfield. Um his name's escaping me at the moment, but they have a bunch of new players, the Prem, that you don't know what you're going to get yet. And so right now they're a team that is lost and aren't putting up enough goals to keep up with anybody. Agreed. Keeping it moving. Liverpool also incredibly disappointing. Uh, we mentioned Trent. I think Mo Salah also has to be lumped in here. The fact that he only gets a assist, he was not really close to scoring a goal or close enough for FPL managers who capped yeah, for me. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's really frustrating. And it just should be said that through eight games this season, Bobby Chompers has been their best player. And that's shocking to say with all the attacking talent that they have at that club, all the pedigree that they have at Anfield, but Roberto Firmino continues to be the steadying force at Anfield and for Kloppenheim. So uh, very impressive. He gets a goal. He gets 12 points in game week nine. He ends up, I mean, he's just 7.9 million, 4% owned, 12 points. Every time he plays, he's getting returns, whereas the rest of the Liverpool team are kind of forgettable. Yeah, you just don't know when he's going to play because they signed Nunez to such huge money. I will say that Salah did record pretty good stats in this one. He had two big chances that he unfortunately missed. He had an XG of 0.56. So on a different day, maybe he has a goal and an assist and gets into double digits and bonus. But this game was all about Brighton. So I don't think we should spend too much time because uh, other than point out that TA, you know, we thought me might be galvanized by being dropped from the World Cup side and under Southgate, but he looked, uh, he got turned around a few times like he always does. So uh, with the rest of the defensive spine a bit lacking this season and not playing up to their regular standard, he's getting uh, caught out quite a few times. Let's put the earmuffs on for a second. He's not only getting turned around, he's getting bent over a lot in these matches. Oh, so, my uh, it goodness, is not bucks. good. Let's keep him no moving. Point, no. Another big flop for this game week was a player who I'm actually very impressed with so far on the pitch, but Sinistera gets two sinister yellow cards, earning the red card dismissal. 
minus two FPL points, womp, womp, and Leeds somehow hang on for a clean sheet. So um, zero, zero in that match. The only player that got any points was Melier in this one, and he had a top goalkeeping experience with 11 points this game week. I think we're still waiting to hear from Bamford, who could join the side soon and provide them some more stability up top, but they will be without Sinistera for a few matches as well. Yeah, really silly yellow card. Uh, the second one specifically, he kicks a dead ball. Uh, very similar vibes to Raul Jimenez, who did this for Wolves earlier in the season or last season. Uh, one of the stupidest red cards I've ever seen in my entire life. So uh, I don't think we need to say very much more on his performance, but Melier came in huge top scoring goalkeeper, 11 points. And I think disappointing for Villa because going to Leeds and getting one point would be great on paper to start the match, but to have them go down to 10 men and play almost the entire second half uh, against a depleted side and not get the win, uh, hugely frustrating for Steven Gerrard and the villains. With that being said, they are down both Dean and Cash, who are really crucial to their chance creation at the fullback position. So you come away with a clean sheet. Uh, Mings now has back-to-back clean sheets for uh, Villa. They're seeming to shore up their defensive side of the pitch now. They're playing Forest away next match. Uh, definitely a team where you could maybe get one of their defenders in cheap on wild card. At um, you know Mings, I think is like four point three. So nothing flashy, but if you need an enabler, they seem to be kind of tightening it up a bit. And uh, they'll again they'll struggle from an attacking perspective um, without those fullbacks who are crucial to their system. Agreed. Let's just quickly touch. We mentioned Forest. They were hugely disappointing. And I think, you know, we mentioned Villa just now. I think that match could be reason to take a quick one-week punt on Ollie Watkins, perhaps, as he goes against the Forest defense. Um, Ming's also a great shout. And potentially Coutinho, if you're looking for a replacement uh, for one week going into a potential game week 11 wildcard, uh, I, I think it's I it's punt season. Yeah, I can't back that. With Trossard and Barnes looking at the same price bracket around 6.5 to 7, you got to go those two guys over Coutinho. I'm really down on him. I've said that in pods previously. I think he's not an impact player at all. He's a rotation player who doesn't provide enough on the pitch anymore in his later stages of his career. So go elsewhere would be my recommendation there. All right. So if you skip Coutinho and he has a brace in game week 10, you know, which uh, podcast co-host to send your hate mail to let's take a look at game week 10. Let's look ahead. We've done enough recap. Let's preview the best matches to target in game week 10. And we should caveat that there is Midweek football. So there's going to be Champions League starting tomorrow, Tuesday, October 4th, and October 5th on Wednesday. And then there's Europa League on the 5th on Thursday. So if you can and you have the budget to permit this, patience is key. Do not make any early transfers. You don't know if your guy that you're bringing in is going to get 90 minutes, maybe even 120 minutes. Uh, Just don't panic if at all possible. Yeah, definitely wait until Friday to get your transfers in because we're going to get press conference news. I think especially players who played on international break and maybe played two matches and then are playing midweek in Champions League, there's going to be some rotation coming up. So brace yourselves for that. Try and wait until deadline when we can have some predicted lineups come out 
and that'll be the way to press forward. But from an FPL perspective, some matches to target. I think given the form from Leicester, Barnes and Madison should both be on your watch list. They play at Bournemouth, who honestly have been, you know, again, pretty stingy other than their massive 8 nothing defeat versus Liverpool at Anfield. So, um, you know, we do expect Madison to be the talisman and he should be really top of the list after his great performance. And again, they have from fantasy football scout, the next four matches, they're top of the table for their fixture difficulty. So look to Madison as a top transfer. We expect him to rise once or twice over the next couple of game weeks. Agreed. Great shout. Next one is Wolves traveling to Stanford bridge to play against Chelsea. I'm hoping that player I mentioned earlier, Diego Costa, does not have a revenge tour uh, starting in this match. Uh, but I expect that Chelsea should get an easy win and hopefully a clean sheet because Wolves are really struggling for goals. That's right. And then from an attacking perspective, I'm not quite sure who the best assets are at Chelsea. I think we'll take a look at a few of theirs in the next section here. But whether it's Sterling, he's too expensive. Mount hasn't been producing. Aubameyang, possibly a shout. His goal was very well taken. Uh, the, the spin and the turn to slot that home was a very experienced move from a striker where we don't see that from our false nine when we play Kai there. Or a younger uh, Broja wouldn't have been able to turn that and put that in the back of the net. So it'd be interesting to see if he becomes an option. Uh, but the last match and the most important one of the game week is Southampton traveling to the Etihad versus City. Holy shit, Bucks. This is a triple up waiting to happen. You got to have three City players if you can for this match. Um, you know, I just wild card and I'm already looking to use a transfer rather than roll it because this match could, again, be 5-0. And wow. Holland, obviously the cap, but if you can get Foden or KDB in for this one, it seems like a sound move as well. Yeah, and I think managers who brought in Salah on wildcard or even uh, swerving if they had Sun, now they have Salah. KDB is the guy. It's worth moving the transfer, even if you want to downgrade and potentially bring Salah in for someone else. Foden makes a lot of sense, but do not make that move until we see how City line up and roll out their plans and their team selection in champions league they have a relatively easy match against copenhagen but still you know southampton they've been plucky this season but city are just a buzzsaw so uh, i expect city to win pretty handedly and if they could score four goals against united who's supposed to have a pretty decent defense in the first half uh sorry southampton fans it's going to be a long afternoon yeah this one's a bit of a conundrum especially with Arsenal playing Liverpool. So it's hard to call who's going to get FPL points in that head to head matchup. And when you look at City, you know, they are going to play Liverpool right after, and that will be away at Anfield. And then they have a blank. But given their form and the way that they're scoring, I think it's worth the transfer in of a City player and then the transfer out, which is not something we would typically be advising on. But because of the short nature of players maybe thinking about their wild card in game of 12 and then the world cup uh, wild card. I think this is the time to spend the transfers and get in those city players because of their huge haul potential. And we should just say that Liverpool 
at home or away are no longer a tough defense to go up against. So yeah, um, I think point. easy transition that gets us to our pure watch of the weekend. Tottenham travel to Brighton. That should be a wildly entertaining match of two top teams. And then Liverpool travel to Arsenal, uh, to the Emirates. And, you know, we've piled on Liverpool a bunch to start this season for good reason. And I think that I could see both home teams getting W's in this one. But I definitely think that that Spurs-Brighton game is going to be more of a contest than the Liverpool-Arsenal game. Uh, that's a maybe a little bit of a shout from me, but that's what I'm expecting uh, following the eye test of watching all these games. All righty. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and answer a few community questions and then discuss our transfer plans and captaincy shouts. We'll be right back. Dum, dum, dum. Let's do it. Community questions. We are back. And the questions were good this game week. First and foremost, Andrew Steinberg asks, why do I make such poor FPL decisions? And AKA, why did he choose to captain Ivan Tony over Erling Holland? And we should just give extra <laughs> sympathy. We should give extra sympathy to Stein. He was a guest co-host on the FPL Blues podcast. We steered him to bring in Holland uh, as a priority transfer. And I guess he stopped listening to us because we've been preaching. We've been singing the gospel of Holland at the altar all season long. Stein, come on, get back in the mix. Get us on the headphones. Captain Holland every game week, period. End of story. Exactly. He's a insane cheat code. You have to captain him. And again, rely on the rest of your team to be the differential for you to gain rank. Um, you know, we are seeing players put up huge hauls like a Trossard, Madison, Foden. And so there are ways to gain rank without going with a differential captain and just keeping the faith with Holland. Um, and, and, and Tony, you know, he's somebody that I brought in in on wildcard and I'm happy to own him. I know long term he's going to tick, but I don't think he's ever a captaincy shout. You can't rely on the rest of the chance creation from Brentford to deliver FPL points. Um, so he's a squad player, not a captaincy shout. Yeah. And he has four blanks in the last five. So, uh, that was, uh, that was a punt gone wrong to say the least. Sorry, Stein. Next question is from Nick Hazi. He asks, is having a non solo lineup still a sane strategy? Brian, I'll let you take this. I mean, absolutely. Given that the goals are not being scored by Mo, unfortunately, and are being scored by the rest of his team like a Jota, Diaz, a Firmino, and most likely Nunez. I think just the change in formation at Liverpool since Mane has left has, you know, left solid with decent stats, but not the same goal type of numbers that we've grown accustomed to over the last three seasons. So at his price tag, you ship him out. If you have him, I would move to KDB in a heartbeat that this week. And maybe bring them back game week 12, but there are so many players that you can spread that cash around that um, you just have to make sure to plan if you're going to try and bring them back for game week 12. I just want to offer a different opinion on this. I also agree that Salah is not essential this season, especially with Holland emerging as a incredible FPL and otherwise just a extraordinary goal scoring talent. I really see the virtue. There are a lot of scoring forwards right now, 
but Holland and Kane are just levels above the rest. And I think that what we're seeing in game week nine could prove true for much of the rest of the season where mid-priced talisman players like Madison, like Trossard, like Bowen could match the output of Mo Salah. So I really like the idea that if you're going to have two premiums, maybe it's Holland and Kane because they both have penalty kicks and they both are closest to goal on average for their teams. So then having a midfield with four across of Bowen, Foden, Luis Diaz, and Madison could be attainable. And that way you cover the best scoring teams where you're also getting some penalty kick takers and some differentials. So I just, that's something I was tinkering with going into that Leicester match against Forest when I was thinking about my potential wildcard team. So I just wanted to throw it out there for the listeners to digest and, and chew on. Yeah, Bowen is one who a lot of FPL managers targeted with their wild card in game week eight, and some even brought him in for a game week nine. He blanked an eight versus Everton and then comes up with his first returns of the season in a huge 14-point haul. He has that kind of potential. It's just the rest of the team trying to get up to speed. I thought it was interesting that uh, Skamaka started up top instead of Antonio, and that kind of helped unlock the squad a little bit more. Skamaka gets his first Premier League goal for the Hammers, and hopefully we'll see Bowen continue to provide uh, chance creation and goal threat. They have Fulham at home, Southampton away, Liverpool away, and Bournemouth at home. So now would be the time to take a punt on Bowen, and hopefully he'll round into form like he did last season. All right, let's go to the last question. It's also from Nick Hasi, and it is, who are some differential forwards to target? And he specifically asked about Obama Yang, because again, clinical finish for Chelsea, who have a great run of fixtures, who's 9 million to buy, and he's 1% owned, and he came off with nine points in game week nine. Let's start with him, and then we could go through a couple others, Brian. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea have top six fixture difficulty in the next four weeks. So they have a decent run. They're playing Wolves at home, Villa away, Brentford away, and Manchester United at home. So there could be some goals in this. I just don't trust the Chelsea attack. Obviously, we're both supporters of a team, but we got very fortunate to come out with the victory versus Crystal Palace. And, you know, we respect Crystal Palace and Vieira's setup there, but it it took a, a very difficult shot from Gallagher, which also we got a shout out. That was one of the highlights of the weekend was him getting a standing O from the Crystal Palace crowd at about the 75 minute mark. And then 15 minutes later, he is sticking a dagger into their backs and comes up with the Galazzo outside the box for the win. FTW bucks. That felt, that felt good. That felt good for sure. Yeah, I I agree with you. Amazing moment from Gallagher at Selhurst Park, where Crystal Palace play to get the win in front of the Palace faithful. Um, But I think Chelsea are just too starved for goals to validate getting any of their attackers. So I think Reese James is enough. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see if OBS will be on PKs if Jorginho is not on the pitch. So that could help a little bit more. But given that his price is very high, I would shy away. Um, I think you should focus on other options in the forward line. Um, I know we do have Mitro with who came off early. They got the red card and then he gets a, a small injury, which he was kind of carrying around on international break. I still decided to grab him on wild card because of his production thus far in the attacking 
output from Fulham. Um, he's kind of flagged at 75%, but I, I wouldn't, you know, rage to move him out. I would possibly bench him for a week and use somebody else on your team. But other options, Callum the Truth Wilson, he's when he's healthy, he delivers. He's going to be a six to 10 point kind of player. Uh, he can definitely get that, that odd brace here and there. He'll be on pens over Isak as well, based on his sterling um, you know, proficiency from the spot compared to Isak's history elsewhere. Uh, Bucks, who, who else would you, would you think about? I mean, would you think about Bobby Chompers? So Bobby Chompers is on my radar. He's 7.9 million, 4% owned, and he's the top scorer among the names we're about to list. Uh, another one, Anthony Martial, he came on for Man United in the second half. So he's coming back to full fitness. He was immediately on penalty kicks, which I love to see. He's 6.9 million. So he's the same price as Mitrovic right now. He's owned by sub 1% of the FPL game. And he had 10 points against Man City. So that is a performance to earmark and to come back to if he starts getting hot. Uh, so if he can get some starts, I think he's one to watch for sure. Yeah. You have to monitor the situation. I wouldn't rush to bring him in. We'd love his price point because if you have Mitrovic or Tony or, uh, Isak or whoever else, you'll be able to move them fluidly between each other. Um, usually Rashford has started up top in that false nine kind of position. And we're seeing Ronaldo just come off the bench. Um, and, and in this one, he doesn't come off the bench because, uh, Ten Hag said out of respect because they were getting their asses absolutely demolished. What a, what a bullshit answer. Holy cannoli. Oh, no. I, I, I liked it. I liked it. There, there was no chance that they were going to win that game. Why trot out Ronaldo, who is just uh, a prized possession in the Manchester United folklore? Why, why trot him out for that embarrassment on the pitch versus the likes of City uh, at the end? But it's fine. We don't have to talk about that. They're not options in FPL. But Martial, Tony Gloves, definitely won to watch, especially if he can get a few starts in a row, then he'll become a serious option because obviously they lost to lost to city, but overall, I think they're playing decent and um, could be, could be in our FPL thoughts very soon. Yeah. And pretty much everyone's losing to city. So that's not a, that's a cross off game for sure. A couple other names. I just want to throw out from the budget perspective, DACA at 5.7 million. He looked really good when he came on for Leicester. He scored a goal. He's also sub 1% owned. Same price as Solanke. He had five points. And this guy actually sees the ball go into the back of the net, even if he's not a game in, game out starter. So his XG is much higher than Solanke. And he has more goals than Solanke in much less minutes. So I like that as a differential play. I mentioned Diego Costa. He's 5.5 million sub 1% ownership. He will be someone to think about if you're on game week 13 wildcard because the Wolves fixtures go from being okay to fantastic in game week 13 until the World Cup wildcard. So that's something to put on your watch list and note. And then the last name on my radar is Patty B, Patrick Bamford, 7.3 million, also sub 1%. He's coming back to being fully fit. And I think leads are going to be needing him uh, because Rodrigo is not fully back. And now Sinistera is out. So the red carpet is laid out for Patty Banford to come back into the club and play a big part. 
Yeah, he's somebody firmly on the watch list. Honestly, like DCL would also be on the watch list as two mid-price forwards who are injured, who we need to see play three or four consecutive weeks before considering them for FPL. So not somebody to bring in straight away, but just have them in the back of your mind. Um, all right, last question we have from Corey Cummings is, what to do with the Chelsea defense? I currently have Kukureya, and he has been a thorn in my side since bringing him in. So Kukureya ends up with the illness on international break. And so he misses this match. And given that Chelsea seemed to be giving up a few chances each match, um, honestly, uh, I thought Kepa played decently, but uh, Zaha had a few chances. Uh, the likes of Eze had a few long-range chances that were blocked. I, I would just stick with James as your only Chelsea player and swerve Kukureya. There's no need to double up when we have so many other FPL options. So um, think about either downgrading him and upgrading one of your other players would be my suggestion at this point in time. What do you think, Bucks? I also have Reese and Kukurella in my defense, and I will not be having a double up on any defense come wild card. And I think, Corey, you also have your wild card chip remaining. I would not be wasting transfers on defenders. I expect Kukurella will be healthy in game week 10 and probably come right back into the starting lineup. And if that's the case, he could be a good first bench option. And especially if Mitrovic is injured, so he's not a priority transfer, but I definitely would not be racing to bring in Fofana on wildcard anymore either. He didn't look great in that game. And even if he's starting at 4.4 million, he just offers no upside uh, from attack. So there are better options that we mentioned Zuma, we mentioned Mings, uh, there are players, Gehi even, there are cheaper options that are offering higher upside potential. So, uh, I wouldn't panic sell them. They have good run of fixtures. They'll get it right. Yeah, it kind of depends on your team makeup, but we're seeing a lot of goals being scored by the forwards and midfielders right now. So the switch to a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2 formation really is enticing. So maybe downgrading Kukurea to a 4.0 enabler so you can upgrade and grab like a Trossard or somebody like that in your side, that could actually make a big difference. So that would be my recommendation with him. Agreed. All right, let's get to the segment that closes out every podcast episode, and that is our transfer plans and captain selection. Brian, you want to take this one? Go first. Yeah, sure thing. Like we said before, we want to sit tight. Let's watch um, the UCL and EUL matches play out at midweek and then get some team news. But right now, that Manchester City fixture versus Southampton is a huge opportunity for FPL points. I think I'm going to be using my free transfer and moving Salah to KDB and possibly even maybe going for a captaincy on KDB over Holland this week. We'll see what happens. It depends who starts. Like if, if Holland is rested versus Copenhagen, he's an instant starter for and a captaincy armband candidate for the weekend. But if we see him start this match, I, I do think Alvarez has probably earned an opportunity against one of these lower table teams like a Southampton. So it could be interesting to see what happens there. But I will be using my transfer to you, Salah, to KDB. You already have him, so you don't need to worry about that. But the triple up on City this weekend is just going to be, like Bucks always says, yum, yum. 
All right. So I have one free transfer and I am earmarking a potential wild card in the next couple of game weeks. I'm split right now between game week 11 and game week 13. So because of that, I do not want to be rolling transfers at all in the next couple of game weeks. I want to be using at least a sensible transfer upside chasing move every game week until I use my wild card so that I don't have a situation where I burn any of my free transfers which we've talked about on previous pods about how valuable those moves are. So right now, the problem spots in my team are few and far between, but Mitrovic injured, that's an issue. I have Kukurella also who has illness, and I presumably want to play either him or Perisic, who's another problem spot in my team. And then I have Ramsdale in goal. So one of those four players is likely on their way out of my team. I would love to be able to go Cucurella or Perisic down and maybe take a hit to bring De Silva up to a player like Zaha or Trossard. But right now, the reality is I'm likely not going to take a hit. So I'm considering moving a player like Mitrovic for a one-week punt to a guy like Martial. Um, Obviously, that is very early week consideration, but I think that if Mitrovic is injured, he'll probably come back into my team on wildcard in game week 11. So I think that could be a nice punt for me. So that's something I'm seriously considering. And you don't have any value built up in Mitro. I think you brought him in a week or two ago, right buck. So it's not like you got him at 6.5. So, uh, you know, I think the punt on Tony gloves is too early. Um, and I, I would rate the hits that you're thinking about a little bit more highly, but again, you're making the right calls and um, the hit that you took a few weeks ago didn't really pan out. So, um, you know, it, it, it's that one week gamble of taking the hit, And especially since you're going to wildcard in a few weeks, you're not going to have that long-term marginal gains from those, that hit. So I think you're, you're, you're sound. Um, we really don't know. We haven't heard anything yet from on the Mitrovich front. So make sure to check out Ben Dinnery on Twitter. He's the FPL guru for injuries and we need to pay attention to him. If he's only going to miss a week, I would just bench him and make a move elsewhere. Very fair. One outside shout. We referenced Ollie Watkins earlier in the episode. He's a player I would love to bring in for a short-term play against Forrest. Um, I just, it would require that I take a hit somewhere in my team to make that possible. And I'm not sure that without penalties and without Villa scoring in bunches, if that's nah. a real, yeah, that's probably a cross off move. That's why I thought you'd say. Nah, bro. You gotta, you gotta skip that and look at somebody like Zaha instead, who's going to be on pens and absolutely nailed in a team that's playing much better. Um, so if you're going to take a hit again, bringing in a talismanic type of player, like a Trossard or like a Zaha, and I would probably rank Zaha ahead of Trossard this week if you can afford it, based on the fact that, I mean, we have seen Spurs be pretty sound from the back, and um, that's who Brighton play. Whereas if you look at somebody like Zaha, they're playing leads at home, and that should yield some good opportunities. Agreed. And captaincy, I'm not overthinking it. Holland is going to get the armband uh, unless he gets uh, hit by a bus in Copenhagen. Uh, with that, let's end the episode. Thank you, as always, to our loyal listeners for following us on social media. We're at FPL Blues Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe, rate us, give a listen, and you're going to see the results in your FPL performance. 
Brian, great episode from you. Green arrows to both of us and most importantly to our listeners. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And hey, we have no more international breaks until the World Cup. So we have a lot of matches coming our way. I think there's only like three days in a row without Premier League or UCL action up until the World Cup. So it's coming fast and furious. Let's get it. There we go.